Awesome. Well, hey, welcome to Central. Uh, my name is Tim. I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and uh, I am so honored that you decided to join us uh, this weekend as we are in a series that we are calling Hashtag Struggles. We are currently in week four, and we've been looking through the lens of how do we follow Jesus in this selfie-centered world that we live in, and particularly wrestling with the struggles of relationships and compassion contentment. And today we're looking at authenticity. How do we live genuine, sincere lives in this selfie-centered world? And and then finally, next week, we'll close out the series looking at this topic of of rest. Like, Jesus promises you rest. He says, come to me if you're you're, you're worn out, you're tired, you're weary. He says, I will give you rest. How do we live from this posture of of rest? And how do we follow Jesus in this selfie-centered world that we live in? Well, I want to also welcome uh, those of you joining us online real quick before we get too far into uh, this message. We are glad that you are with us. If you're tuning in online live or, or midweek, we're glad that you're here. Also want to give a special shout out to uh, Dennis and Samantha. Uh, normally they are on the other side of that camera. They uh, came to Central at Easter, uh, started following Jesus. It's awesome. Then they moved up north. And so I'm still bitter about it. Um, but, uh, but we're glad that you guys are back. And uh, my mama, my mama's normally on the other side of that camera, but she's in the room with us today. So I'm glad that, uh, that you're here. And so thankful for the online community as well. Well, Brene Brown, she gave a TED Talk, the second most popular TED Talk in the history of TED Talks on this title, The Power of Vulnerability. Uh, It's the second most viewed, over 43 million views of this, this TED Talk. If you haven't checked it out, it's worth the investment of a few minutes of your time, but I believe it is so popular uh, because we all desire to wrestle shame to the ground and tap into the courage that it takes to embrace vulnerability and authenticity and to live from that posture of life. Uh, Brene Brown, uh, she has become a modern-day evangelist for vulnerability and authenticity, and she just defines vulnerability as this, uh, or authenticity, rather. Authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. And just so you know, like, I love technology. I love social media. I'm on a lot of different platforms. Would love to connect with you on social media. It makes our world a much smaller place. Uh, We can get information much more quickly. Uh, In the midst of this week's PG&E power outage, how many are thankful for our technology? We could go online a few clicks and be like, oh, we're good. Or we like, we need to buy a generator. Like, one of the two, like... (laughs) Just to click away, just to click away. And then if you didn't have power this week, like you could go on Amazon and like order all the goods that you need, buckets and, and bottles and, and all the stuff for, for Y2K or the new Armageddon or the PG&E power outage. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, however, never before in the history of our world have we been more connected more, more, more friends on social media, hundreds of friends. And yet a Forbes survey says that the average male in the Bay Area, over 90% of men, over one out of 10 men in the room today would say that they have one friend that knows everything about them. We're more connected than ever before, but never before has it been easier to hide in plain sight. Nevertheless, authenticity is one of the defining elements of the early church. And I believe it should be a distinguishing element, a distinguishing reality for us here at Central Christian Church. 
Uh, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, it, it kind of lays out this, this overview of what the early church was like. And so we're going to read it together. Uh, and here's what it says. It says, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was full, uh, filled with awe as, at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. Help me out with these yellow words if you can read them. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It was a description of the early church, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, That word in the the Greek is an interesting word. It could literally be translated humility. Uh, Certainly, vulnerability or sincerity, authenticity requires a level of humility. Like, I have to to be humble enough to be honest uh, with you. It could also be translated simplicity. Uh, and so there's something very beautiful, very simplistic about living from a sincere posture. Like if I'm, if I'm going to be sincere, then, then it simplifies my life in that I don't have to worry about the way I'm filtering myself to this crowd, filtering myself to this crowd, this crowd, this crowd. Like I'm, I'm living a, a unified, a, a whole life, a simplified life, one posture, one story. I'm not going to say something to your face and then say something else behind your back. It simplifies uh, my life. I don't have to worry about the me I want you to see because I'm just going to be the me that I actually, I actually am. Uh, there's an old but uncertain story about where we get this word sincere. Um, the ancient Romans, they used uh, to prize uh, Greek sculptures uh, for their aesthetic excellence. Uh, the statues were, were already a few centuries old, and, and however, they had some cracks, had some, some gaps in the marble. And so, so what they would do, what vendors would do is they, would, they found that if they took wax and they filled in the gaps, they filled in the cracks with wax, it would actually make it look like a, a, a unique, a, a whole, authentic, perfect piece of art. Until over time, the wax begins to crack, it, it yellows, it gets hard, and then it, it, they realize, man, I've been, been duped. Like, I've, I've bought this full-price piece of art and it's, it's got wax in it. So, so vendors who wanted to sell a statue... And it was all marble, the real deal through and through. They would mark it in the Latin word sin, S-I-N-E. That means without. And then sera, the Latin word for wax. Without wax. Sincere, genuine, authentic. I'm presenting myself as I am, not trying to, to cover all the gaps in who I am. And that was a defining reality in the early church. And obviously it's our desire today to be that same church to be that same authentic community. So today we're going we're gonna to look at three observations when it comes to authenticity. Three observations when it comes to authenticity. So if you're taking notes, uh, this is where our notes begin. Uh, the first fill in the blank there is that authenticity is risky. Authenticity is risky. Authenticity is risky because it demands the risk of vulnerability. Authenticity is risky because it demands the risk of of vulnerability. Mother Teresa put it this way. She said, honesty and transparency make you vulnerable. Be honest and transparent anyway. I think we would all agree that healthy relationships are risky, but they're only risky because healthy relationships require vulnerability. So here's a confession. In the church, pick any church, pick this church. In this church, we have a sin problem. 
Uh, our, our problem is not that we sin. Everybody's got that problem. Uh, our problem, the problem in the church, is that we don't talk about our problems. Our problem is that we, we posture ourselves, we present ourselves as if we have no, no issues. It's almost kind of like the way uh, infomercials play out. Now, I don't know if you guys remember infomercials. We don't have infomercials as much anymore now that we're on Netflix and streaming uh, videos more. But, but if you recall back, like there was this time when infomercials were popular. And perhaps my favorite was this deal, Shake Weight. I don't know if you remember this. Check out this picture. So like Shake Weight, like check this dude out. Like he is jacked. And I look, I'm like, bro, how do you do it? And here's his story. Here's his story. Tim. I used to be 500 pounds until I brought my shake weight. And now I look like this. And I'm like, I need to buy a shake weight. You know, right? Right? Well, right, check, out, check out this next one. I don't know if you guys remember this. This is a throwback. So if you're a child of the 90s, you might remember this. Here's a confession. I still want one of these things. So efficient. It's called a Flowbee. And the Flowbee would be an attachment to your vacuum. Right? And so you attach this hair clipper to your vacuum, and the vacuum sucks your hair up, cuts it, and goes into the vacuum. No cleanup. Yeah. And this dude's story is like, Tim, I used to look like ZZ Top <laughs> until I bought my Flowbee. Now I look like modern-day Chuck Norris. Like, check him out. I'm like, how do I be like Chuck Norris? That's the Flowbee. I need the Flowbee. It's awesome. It's awesome. However, somehow that somehow got translated into the church. And so you hear, hear people who have neat and clean, happy endings, and, and they're, they're, they've tied a bow on their issue, and so they step onto a stage like this, and, and they say things like, man, I, you know, I used to be a sex addict, and man, I would look at porn for hours, and I, I'm so ashamed, didn't want to tell anybody about it. Then I met Jesus, and now I don't have any sexual desires at all. And all the fellows are like, I better write that one down. That's uh, powerful. Next one, like, girl comes up on stage and is like, hey, I used to have eating disorders. I was so ashamed of, of who I am. I didn't like my image. And so, man, I would, I struggled with eating disorders for years. Then I met Jesus. And now I'm like sexy and I know it. And it's awesome. It's all good, right? Because of Jesus. And we're like, better write that one down. And I'm just saying, imagine going to a counselor to convince a counselor that you don't need a counselor. Imagine going to a counselor and say, I just want to talk about things in my past. This happened five years. I don't want to talk about anything current because I'm afraid you might reject me. But I'm going to talk about something back here rather than things that I'm, I'm dealing with here today. Imagine going to a mechanic to convince the mechanic that, that your car doesn't have an issue. Imagine going to the doctor to say, hey, I'm in a perfect bill of health. I don't even need to be here. <coughs> right? I'm just saying, if we're okay going to a counselor to tell the counselor I got an issue, I'm okay telling the mechanic, my, my car's got an issue. Couldn't sinners be okay telling other sinners, man, I got a sin issue I'm dealing with? Please hear me on this. Life change happens when people meet Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. But what I want you to know, yeah, that's good. But what I want you to know is that people are jacked up on both sides of the cross. Both sides of the cross. If I want God or anyone else to love me, the real me, then I've got to work at getting real because I cannot be fully loved unless I am fully known. But to be fully known and yet fully loved is the most healing gift one individual can give to another human being. You can only be loved to the extent that you, the real you, is known. 
I think part of the reason why James puts it this way in James 5.16, he's writing to the church, churches, a multitude of churches, and he sends this letter, and here's what he says to the church. James 5.16, confess your sins, plural, to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. There's this guy, David, in the history books, this guy, David, in your Bible, and, and here's David's rap sheet. Like, David is a king, best king Israel ever had. But David was a polygamist. David had coveted another man's wife and committed adultery with her. He, he tried to cover up his, 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 his shame, tried to cover up the, this act, and, and, and realized he couldn't do it, so he kills this chick's husband, covers it up for a year. He was a liar, an adulterer, a coveter, a murderer. He was a terrible father. One of his own sons raped one of his daughters. And the Bible indicates that David didn't do anything about it. I mean, he's not like getting a dad of the year award. I mean, what kind of a dad does that? No one was wearing a what would David do bracelet in Israel at this time. Uh, David wasn't riding five steps to becoming the world's best family man. Nevertheless, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart in two different places. Acts 13, 22 reads this. After removing Saul, he made David king. God testified about him. This isn't somebody else's opinion. It's not somebody else's hyperbole. It's not David saying this about himself. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. So here's a question. Do you suppose it is possible for an individual to be wrestling with sin so deeply and yet still long for the heart of God at the same time? Our deepest wounds often come from other people and our own dumb decisions. Uh, Nevertheless, more than anything else, God uses people to help people through life's deepest hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We've got to take the risk and get real if we're going to overcome our junk and help other people overcome their junk. Authenticity is risky, because authenticity demands the risk of, of vulnerability. But if ever there was a true, just as I am, church, if ever there was a community where everybody could bring their baggage and brokenness without tidy bows tied on the end of their story yet, if ever there was a group of people where everyone was loved and no one pretended, could not contain a room that size to fill up with all the people that would want to be a part of that. Because in a selfie-centered society, we're longing for something real. We're longing for something authentic. So take the risk with those that have earned your trust because everyone is messy. And that leads me to our second observation. Authenticity is risky. Second observation is authenticity is, is messy. Uh, one of our values here at Central is authenticity. And uh, we don't just talk about that. We want to live that out. Uh, however, here's what we know to be true about authenticity, and that is authenticity is messy. Radical grace is messy. We're imperfect people in progress, right? In other words, we're, we're, we're jacked up. We're messy. We're messy people. We're not perfect. If you pursue authenticity, then things are going to start to get personal. And when they start to get personal, you're going to realize that people are, are messy. Uh, because here's what we know to be true. People are jacked up on both sides of the cross, right? So, so maybe you're here and you're like, man, my mama delivered me in the front pew of a church. I hope there's some lice off for that church. But maybe that happened. And like you were born in church, right? You, when you're like, someone's like, hey, when did you start following Jesus? Like, I don't even remember the time. I just grew up in church. I've been a part of church my whole life. That's awesome. And we're so glad 
that you're here, but, but here's what we know to be, be true of you. You've got some things going on in your life that you're not really proud about. You've got some things that, that you struggle with on a very deep level. For some of you, maybe this is your first time in a church ever, and that's awesome. We are super honored that you are here. Maybe you're really skeptical about this whole Christianity thing, uh, but again, I am honored that you're here, but here's what I also know to be true of you. You've got some things in your life that you're not really proud about. You got some things in your life that you struggle with on a very deep level. I'm just saying, let's just acknowledge that we are people and people are jacked up on both sides of the cross. But yet we're tempted to live under this illusion like everything's normal. Like, like you're good, I'm good, we're good. Woo, it's awesome, right? It reminds me of this story. My, my wife, she used to coach, coach volleyball back in Missouri. And uh, I remember sitting in the stands, one of her volleyball games, and just kind of people watching, right? One of my favorite things to do, just watch people. And, uh, and I overheard this, this young girl talking to her older sister about her, her boy troubles. She explained to her older sister, she said, I just don't understand him. Hey, he, he doesn't want to sit with me at lunch. He just wants to sit with his own friends. I text him and that boy doesn't even respond to my text messages. Can you believe it? She says, I don't ask for much. I just want a normal boyfriend. <laughs> to which her older sister replied, oh, girl, everybody wants one of those. The problem is they don't exist, right? And that's true. That's true. We want to appear normal, present ourselves as normal. But the Bible says there's this thing that plagues the human race. There's this thing that plagues your life, this thing that plagues my life, this thing that, that taints who we are and therefore makes every relationship very, very messy. And the Bible calls this thing sin. And here's the deal. It's tainted you. It's tainted me. It's tainted all of us. And therefore, authenticity begins to get really messy when we be, become honest with who we are. Uh, Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and we fall short of God's, God's standard. Like the Bible says, everybody's done it. Isaiah 53.6 says, all of us have strayed away. We've left God's path and done our own deal. Have you ever noticed how messy relationships are in the Bible? Like these people are jacked up. In the Bible. And that's one of the things that I love about the Bible. It's raw, it's unfiltered, it's authentic. Here's just a quick snapshot of some relationships in the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve, they had their honeymoon in paradise, and then everything goes downhill from there. Uh, their son, Cain, got jealous of his brother Abel and kills him. And this is before video games existed. <laughs> Abraham lied about his wife, said it was his sister twice. He does this. Then he impregnates his wife's servant. Turns out his wife gets mad about this. Uh, and so Abraham abandons his son and his baby's mama in the desert to die. Isaac and Rebekah spent their marriage fighting over whose, uh, whose child was, was the best, which child was their, their favorite. Jacob had children by two wives and the wives' servants. And to top it off, Jacob's firstborn son, Reuben, ends up sleeping with his father's concubine, a.k.a. a modern-day mistress. All we know about Moses and his wife, Zephora, and that's not like a makeup store in the mall. Zephora is Moses' wife. The uh, only thing we know about them, they have an argument over circumcising their son, and, and this is what uh, she calls her husband, and I quote, "'You are a bridegroom of blood.'" which I do not think translates to I love you, sweet cheeks. Job's wife, whenever Job's life begins to get hard, Job's wife literally says this, Job, why don't you curse God and die? These people need help. 
right? Like they need Dr. Phil, Dr. Laura, Dr. Ruth, Dr. Spock, bring on Dr. Seuss. If there's a doctor in this house, like you might be able to help them because they got issues. They got issues. And that's just scratching the surface. And these are men and women that the Bible calls the heroes of our faith. Authentic community, real relationships are messy because people are messy. Because authenticity is risky and messy. In a selfie-centered world, authenticity is very hard to find. But you might find it here and there, maybe in a relationship, maybe in a marriage, maybe in a church community, maybe in a recovery group. You find it whenever there is an irrational commitment to the well-being of its members. It's a community of radical grace. It's not an easy fellowship to be a part of. People are messy. There's always heavy, awkward uh, walls that have to be crashed through, like busyness and conflict and, and just issues that we all, we all deal with. But those who find authentic community, it marks them. They'll never live without it again. Because authentic community is where hope and healing take place. So we've observed that authenticity is risky, authenticity is messy, and now we see the third observation, authenticity is it's necessary. Authenticity is necessary. Everything said needs to be true, but not everything true needs to be said to everyone, right? Like we need to have some level of, of filtering, but you do need to have someone. You need to have someone that, that knows everything about you, someone that you can unload on, someone where there is no hidden agenda, there is no wax, so to speak. And if you don't have someone, my encouragement to you is pay someone. According to the statistics, over nine out of 10 men in the room, you don't have someone. So, so find a counselor. Go pay, like you pay them to keep their mouth shut, but go and load on them. Let them know everything that there is to know about you because you'll feel like the weight of the world is off your shoulders in that moment. In the words of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandis, he said this, sunshine is the best disinfectant. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. Like you just bring it out into the light and something good happens. It cleanses, it dissipates the shadows, it casts out the darkness, it enables people to see. It gives them a sense of comfort and confidence because they know there's nothing being hidden. Uh, Brene Brown, she put it this way, authenticity demands, it demands wholehearted living and loving. Even when it's hard, even when we're wrestling with shame and fear of not being good enough, and especially when joy is so intense that we're afraid to let ourselves feel it. Romans 12, 9 through 13, put it this way. It says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. We're called to love God. We're called to, to love people, not just go through the motions or check the boxes, but, but authenticity, sincerely loving, loving people. And then he unpacks, like, what sincere love looks like. And here's what he says. Love must be sincere. Here's how we do it. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, devote your, uh, devote, um, be devoted to one another, there it is, in brotherly love, in, in, no, that's not it, be devoted to one another in love, there it is, hey, still learning to read, just trying to be real. <laughs> Honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. As I read through that list, does anything in there maybe say, man, my life's not lining up with that? <laughs> if you're like me, I got a lot of wood to chop in that area. 
So what's one thing you might be able to do this week to authentically love God and love people like Romans 12 says? Here's the challenge. We value authenticity. We, we, some of us even realize authenticity is necessary, but we always keep authenticity at arm's length, right? It seems like it's just out of grasp. And why do you suppose that is? Why is that for you? Why is that for, for me? My bet is that authenticity is a challenge for us because we live from this formula. We live from this formula that my self-worth as a person is contingent on my performance and your opinion. But like I find value when you say, Tim, I like you. I like what you're doing. Tim, you're crushing. Man, your performance is through the roof. Wow, you're really crushing. That's awesome. All of a sudden, I feel like, man, I have self-worth. But you take those two things away, then like, does my self-worth come down? And therefore, if I'm living from this formula that my self-worth is based on, on, on your opinion and my performance, then it's going to be really hard for me to be real with Jacob because I need Jacob's affirmation. And so I'm going to present myself as the me that Jacob wants me to be, not who I truly am. So if unless I find my identity, unless I find myself worth anchored in who God says I am, what he says is true about me, then I'm never going to get real with Mike because I'm too worried about Mike's opinion of me. But if my soul desires to say, God, what do you think about me? Who do you say I am? That's where I find my worth. That's where I find my value. If I anchor into who he says I am, then all of a sudden authenticity becomes possible. It becomes probable, actually, because I'm not so concerned about what you think about me because I'm already anchored into what he says is true of me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be, a sin, be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So when God sees you, when he sees me, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is true of you, like you've been forgiven You've been made right. You've been made whole. He says, approved. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're highly valued. So valued that I've given my own son to have a relationship with you. Like, wow, that's awesome. But how do we live that out as a reality? Uh, Christine Kane, she tells a story. She's a great preacher. Uh, she tells a story about, about her daughter. Uh, they're raising her daughter to love God, love people. And they would say, hey, little lady, like, you're a weapon in the hands of God. You're perfect. God, you're, you're beautiful. God's created you on purpose, with purpose. You're smart. You're kind. You're brave. They try to raise their kids to have this filter that, that, man, God has big plans for my life, and I'm valued. Well, this little girl goes to school. She goes to kindergarten. This bully comes up and knocks her lunch out of her hands and says, you're, you're dumb, and you're ugly. This little girl rears back and punched him in his nose. No, he didn't do that. He'd be proud if she did. But here's what she did do. She said, no, I'm not. She threw her shoulders back. My daddy says, I'm smart and I'm beautiful. Picked up her lunch and went about her work. I say that to say this. If your identity isn't anchored in who God is, if your identity, if you don't hear the voice of your father louder than the voice of the enemy, louder than the voice of the critics, then you're going to live from this posture that enables you to be authentic with other people because you're buying for their Approval. You're, 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 you're biting for their, 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 their way in to say, I, I really like you. When maybe that is not the right equation. Maybe we should just say, God, you approve me. Therefore, I have value. Therefore, I'm loved. Therefore, I can be real with the people around me. 
because I've already anchored myself in my identity. So when the enemy comes, and he will come, hear the voice of your father loud in the voice of your enemy. When he tells you you're ugly and you're not enough, you can remind him that Ephesians says you are God's masterpiece. When he tells you that your life is sunk and you have no hope, you can remind him that Romans 8 says God says you're, you're more than a conqueror. When the enemy comes and he tries to get you to cower in fear, you can say, my God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When the enemy tempts you down a path of destruction, you can remind him that God has given you greater power over the wrong desires within you. When the enemy comes and he says everything is sunk and everything's stacked against you and there's no way out, you remind him that you serve the God who is a way maker. He's parted the sea before and he'll do it again for you here today. When the enemy says that everything is stacked against you and there's no way out, you serve a God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. You serve the God who's able to close the mouth of a lion and protect you in the midst of any pit. When you're surrounded with enemies on every side, you remind him that my God has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In my cup, it overflows with blessing. You can come against me with lies, but my father is the author of truth and the only just judge of the universe. When the enemy tries to bring back the guilt and shame of your past, you can remind him that my God says I'm forgiven, that my guilt, my shame from my past, my present, my future is nailed to a cross, and I carry that junk no more. Authenticity is necessary. But it's only possible when our security, our value, our self-worth is anchored in who he is and what he says is true about you. Not our performance, not the opinions of others. In closing, authenticity is, is risky. In the words of Mother Teresa, honesty and transparency make you vulnerable. Be honest and transparent anyway. Authenticity is messy. People are jacked up on both sides of the cross. That's why at Central Christian Church, we've put a stake in the ground and said we're going to embrace the mess and believe God for the best. Authenticity is, is necessary because our security and self-worth are anchored in Christ and who he says we are. We can take the necessary steps to be real, sincere, wholehearted, authentic with each other. If you want God or anyone else to love you, the real you, we got to work at getting real. Because we cannot be fully loved unless we are fully known. But to be fully known and yet fully loved, it's the most healing gift one human being can give to another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sincere love. We thank you, God, for love that you offer us that makes us whole, brings healing. God, would you help me, would you help my friends here in this room, God, to anchor identity in all that you are and what you say is true of us so that we can be real, we can be authentic with each other, let down the mask, stop playing games, but just be genuine. Be the people you created us to be. Live our lives unfiltered. As you continue to pray, some of you are, are here and you know your identity is anchored in all the wrong things. Uh, you're here and you know that you're not in a real relationship with Jesus. 
the most authentic thing you can do today is to acknowledge the reality that you're away from God and take next steps to make him the leader and the forgiver of your life. If that's you, I want to lead you in just a simple prayer, but a supernatural prayer, I believe. I don't say that on my own authority, but, but God's word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll have a right relationship with him. He'll make all things new. And if that's you, maybe you were once close to God, now you're far away. Maybe you've never been close at all. But today you're saying, man, I'm, I'm going all in with God. I want a real relationship with him. Then I want to invite you to pray a prayer like this with me. From your heart to God, say this, God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world. I believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Now you say this to him, Jesus, from this day forward, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. If that's your commitment today, if that's your prayer, and you wanna, you wanna go all in with God, I just wanna invite you as a, an act of, of movement to acknowledge that you're going all in with him. I just wanna invite you to slip your hand up in the air. Show God you're reaching out to him. Show him you need his hope, you need his healing, you need his touch. Thanks, 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 thanks. Reach out to him today, acknowledge you need his, his power and his presence in your life today. God, we thank you for those reaching out to you. God, I pray that they would sense your forgiveness in a very tangible way today. God, that your spirit would come in and cleanse them from a guilty past, a guilty conscience. Remove their sin, give them a fresh start and a new beginning. Father, I pray that you would make yourself so close to them that they would hear your voice, they would walk in your ways. Give them the power to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.